Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I'm your co-host, <laughs> Michael Owl. And as always, I'm here with... Hank Owl. Hank I Owl. I can't start a podcast without laughing. That was our uh, third or fourth uh, false start. There's something about <laughs> yeah. a microphone and recording that is just inherently fun and laughter-inducing. <laughs> yes. Uh, tell me, Hank, what's new in your world, buddy? Uh, well, I am started listening to a new podcast... What kind of podcast? It's kind of a story. It's a story podcast. Okay. And it stars Rami Malek. It's called Blackout. Okay. Remind me, Rami Malek was the guy who just won the Oscar for playing uh, the lead singer of Queen, whose name just escaped me. Um, uh, but nobody needs to no, listen I, to I, us I, <laughs> I think of it. They know it already. I'm I don't, sure. I don't, yeah, uh, Freddie Mercury. Well, yeah. Freddie Mercury. There yeah, we go. Freddie Mercury. Uh, that's cool. Is it... Um, is it like highly produced? Is there like like if a door like oh he enters the room and the door opens like do you hear like a creak? Oh yeah 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 you oh, hear cool. the door open. Uh, the story it's about we don't know like fully because it's a mystery they're trying to figure out what happens. But basically like the area from like the North Country to like Boston and that's all we know. We don't know if it's gone any farther than that yet, or at least I don't. I know there's a podcast that came out that I haven't listened to yet. Uh, but it's the complete blackout. Ooh, so does um, is the lead person a like a police detective or are they uh, just no? He's a radio show host. Ooh, that's fun, especially for a podcast. The Moose. It's called The Moose. Sweet. And uh, there's three episodes that you've listened to, or four? Or? Uh, yeah, three or four, I think. How long is each episode? Twenty-five minutes. All right. Very, very cool. But you're liking it. And yeah, and the guy who made it, I think there's a guy who like produced it, directed it, and is a co-writer of it. So he's clear he's very, very passionate about it and does the audio for all the advertisements. Okay. That's very, very cool. What um is this the first narrative type podcast? Like fictional? This is fictional too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah, there has not been a blackout in Boston that I've been aware of or <laughs> that but maybe there have been. Uh very, very cool. Yeah. What's new in your world? Well, the uh well, as you know, I'm a huge uh Tim Ferriss fan. He has a podcast and, you know, is an author. But uh I'd really dig his podcast and he had one of my favorite authors of all time on there recently, uh Neil Gaiman. You guys have heard me talk about him before, I think. And it was exciting because since Tim's had this podcast, I know that he's wanted Neil Gaiman on there for forever, the whole time. And he's been trying to get him on there. He even had his wife, uh, Amanda Palmer, on there, uh, who's a musician and singer-songwriter. So I think, you know, I'm sure Amanda, he wanted Amanda anyways, I'm sure, because she's an incredibly interesting person and a really talented musician. But I'm sure he was also like, well, you know, we're getting Amanda. We get one step closer to Neil. So we finally had Neil on the podcast, and it was pretty great. I wanted, you know, like eight hours more of it, but I really enjoyed it. Keep in mind, this is already an hour and thirty minute podcast, which I fell asleep to. Yeah, you were uh, you were you were you were snoring a little bit in the background. It was very comforting, um, but it, yeah, so it was good. So I would highly recommend anyone who is a fan of Neil Gaiman to check that out because Neil's good about updating his blog with lots of cool stuff. 
but he doesn't do interview requests a ton. And if you're interested more in Neil Gaiman, you probably have already seen, but if you haven't, you can Google Neil Gaiman um, make good art. It's a, a commencement speech he did to the graduating class, I think, at the School of the Arts in uh, Philadelphia. So I would say check that out. Uh, but what are we checking out today, Hank? What are we talking about? Well, we're finally reviewing a movie. It feels like it's been a month. It has been a little while. What movie are we talking about? We're talking about Apollo 11. Apollo 11. So uh, Apollo 11 is a documentary. Have we done a documentary before? Yeah, we did Free Solo, which is oh, like one of the right. greatest movies of all time. That was so good. You're right. That was so good. Uh, yeah, Apollo 11. So Apollo 11 is if um, you guys probably could figure this out, but it is a documentary about the Apollo 11 space mission to the moon. This is the mission that had uh, the first human being set foot on the moon, Mr. Neil Armstrong. Uh, what did you think of it? Well, I thought it was like wasn't like a documentary that I was used to hearing about because it was basically just like a story like there was no like three weeks earlier or it was just an hour before the launch the end of the launch just a chronological order of with no narration just like newscasts being played over footage that's right it's really interesting choice they made and the director is todd douglas miller and I heard an interview with him uh, pretty recently, and he was talking about this film. And they asked him, you know, so why, why didn't you use these narrative devices that most documentaries use? Which is, look, you were talking about like a voiceover kind of narrator explaining what's going on. And uh, other kind of like uh, sound effects, really. They, they didn't use that. It was, as you said, it was just... Actual audio recordings from the room and from the capsule and from the rocket. And then they paired that. They sound synced that with all the visuals that they had. Um, and the reason why he said that they did that was two reasons. One, the other one's already been done so many times. We've already seen that so many, so many times. And two, they really wanted what the actual feel of it was like uh, to be there. And it was really, really interesting and effective. I kept waiting. I didn't know this going into it. So I kept waiting for like the narration and the voiceover to be like, well, Neil Armstrong, or then like the cutaway to you know, a random interview like ten years later. You know, a lot of times they'll do that also. You know, talk to him before or way after looking back on the thing. But this is really like a real time I mean, obviously it's not a real time event because it, you know, takes place over nine or ten days, but it was real time in the in the in the parts that they are actually showing, and that was really really cool. Did that take you out of the story, or did it add to it for you? Um, no, I think it added to it. I would, I don't actually prefer that. I would prefer that there would yeah more like cut to an interview in the past because I feel like that's what I'm used to, and that's what I like and it kind of took me out of the story just the fact that i was waiting for something like that to happen yeah it took me a while to realize that this is like i'm gonna say this phrase like all it was going to be but i don't mean that as a negative so like you said it starts off you know a few hours before the launch and that was pretty interesting to me because you see a lot of period movies where you know in your head you're like oh well i'm sure that's exactly what they were wearing but 
you know, there was a costume person, you know, they could have made some mistakes, but this was the actual just human beings sitting on this beach area or camping out, you know, to watch it. And you see their clothes from, <laughs> you know, 1969. And there was, I swear there's Elvis Presley just sitting there. <laughs> it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, interesting, you know, outfits, a lot of people smoking, you know, cause smoking was a lot more prevalent back then. Um, it was really neat. It was neat to see the, the actual, you know, actual people that were there listening and watching. I just thought of something I was going to say and then forgot it. That's all right. Uh, so yeah, so then it takes us through and it takes the actual launch. Something that was really, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Can I remember now? Oh cool. Go I remember now. I. It felt very, like, abrupt in the way it started, just starting an hour beforehand. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, get to, like, T-minus 8, 5, 7. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, cut back to, like, three years earlier when they're starting, like, working on the thing. Yeah. And But nope, it never did that. It just kept going forward in time. Well, again, yeah, I think what they wanted, and I think the, there probably have been, you know, things like that. I think, uh, I can't imagine how hard it was to sync up the audio, because most of the visuals from this were done with, like, 16 millimeter handheld cameras that were not running sound at the time. Like, they weren't putting sound to the camera, or they didn't have a microphone and let go, and a boom, you know, mic. To, to get the good sound that we're used to, like in narrative features. So they had, you know, just thousands and thousands of hours of audio and visuals that they had to pair up. And a lot of the times it was kind of guessing. It was like their knowledge of what transpired over those days. Uh, scientifically is how like they were the directors and the editors were able to kind of figure it out. Or knowing that like, hey, this mission control guy, he wore a white shirt on day three. Therefore, I think we're on day three with this. And that's kind of how what they had to do to, to put it together. Um, that's, that's, that seems crazy. I mean, it is just daunting. Even like editing, a, you know, a short thing. Like, you know, like you, this podcast. Like, like this podcast. Or like if we were, had cameras and we were trying to do different camera angles and we were matching the audio to the visuals and then doing cuts and things like that. It takes a really long time to do a small piece of footage. So I can't imagine, you know, having to go through everything they went through and then, uh, you know, assembling it together for like a, you know, I don't know how exactly how long the movie was, but probably about 90 minutes. And it was, it was fascinating. I learned a ton. I feel like the one like good thing, like having to do that is that's really all you have to do is sync up the audio and the visual. And well, that, that, and that's step one, and that's a, that's a laborious process, certainly. But you also have, have to decide what visuals they want to oh, include. Oh, yeah, yeah, You know? But uh, once you've next, done that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, basically like, the work, but that's, that's a that's ton of work. That's still, like, more work than, like, some movies. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, the amount of footage they had, I'm sure, was, was much more prevalent just than... incredible amount of footage. Just. Yeah. And it was interesting because you've seen, at least I've seen, you know, some similar footage before, but they had different angles and different uh, access 
to stuff that we've that I personally have never seen before, and I think they had some that you know had been never seen like oh, by yeah, the public yeah. before. Like I saw an advertisement for it, and it was like the description was like using never before seen footage. Yeah, and it was interesting, kind of uh, fun angles. Um, what was your before going into this movie? What was your knowledge of Apollo Eleven? My knowledge was rocket go go boom boom into sky, <laughs> orbit around the Earth orbit around the moon land on the moon for honestly what i thought was like an hour and then left orbited around the moon orbit around the earth went back i also had like zero appreciation that this was a what was it like eight eight or nine day mission yeah i thought it was like three days i don't even know what i thought i don't think i even considered it can i tell you another thing that um yes please like another historical like time matchup. You know how when you hear about war battles like revolute like the Battle of Gettysburg. Right. I always thought it was like a twelve hour battle when battles were like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I have very little perspective on a ton and of And that's why things. like when people say like the that most how long Gettysburg was? Two weeks? No, it was like uh, three days. Okay. That's why it's like so many people died in three days. And of course, they were saying in like only three days these people died. And I was like, wow, the battle lasted three days long. Wow, that is really long. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Like, no, because usual battles were like a month. Yeah. And, it, there, you know, I, there's, I'm going to r- reveal more of my ignorance here. You know, the fact that there was like the Hundred Years' War. Like, that's, <laughs> I don't know when that took place, like, you know, mid-15th century. Remember 16th? the Seven Years' War? I don't know. Seven years, that's a long time, too. We've been, no, no, we've no, been but the Seven Years, it's funny, it's the Seven Years' War lasted nine years. That's hilarious. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah. And I'm sure the Hundred Years' War wasn't exactly Hundred Years. Anyway, so the point is, we went into this a little bit ignorant. I mean, I knew Neil Armstrong, certainly knew who he was. I did not see his movie, the fictional movie that Damien Chazelle directed, but I want to now. Oh, yeah, I just kept experiencing, like, oh, and there's Ryan Gosling. <laughs> well, Peggy, uh, my wife and Hank's mom, who saw the movie with us also, she came, she's like, where's Ed Harris? <laughs> you know, based on the Apollo 13 movie directed by Ron Howard, which is so good. And the guy who Ed Harris played in that was in this. He was like one of the, you know, mission control people in Houston. I forgot what team he was on. But that was that was really cool to to process. This thing was such a long, uh, you know, thing, and it was replaced on the news like they were the top news story for a while, and then it was like the uh, was it Bobby Kennedy and Chappaquiddick? Not Bobby Kennedy. Um, Did you say Chappaquiddick? Ted Kennedy. Yeah, Ted Kennedy and the Chappaquiddick thing happened where uh, you know there was a car accident and a girl was killed, and that replaced him on the news for a while. But it was it was fascinating seeing just how long uh, this this thing was and another interesting thing came out um that i hear with this interview with the director later they talked about tolerance of risk and tolerance of risk basically has to do with like what has to go right for the mission to go right and you hear uh, a lot of times and i think this came out in the challenger uh hearings in congress which of which neil armstrong was uh, i think head of of a committee kind of looking into that the fact that if something is there a 99% chance of success, that makes that could lead one to think that, oh, well, that's probably the mission's probably going to be successful. Things are going to go right. 
but it's not just that there's a 99% chance of success. It's like each step in the process, there's a 99% chance of success. And it only takes for one of those hundreds of steps in the process to go wrong for something too horrible to happen. So that was kind of, um, I kept thinking, you know, watching them as they're making these like, you know, little, they're watching these horrible little tiny black and white screens. They're in front of these uh, computers and electronics that are, you know, they look like they're from, they, they're sent out from 1969. They look like they're from 1959 or 49. They're so, the, the technology is so, looks so different and immature compared to what we're used to that it's really just mind boggling that this even worked. It's amazing we even tried it to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still, when, oh, one of the things I was really surprised about, which also shows my ignorance, is that for some reason I thought the rocket got off a different way. Like, there I'm finally seeing, like, oh, they just blew a bunch of fire out of the bottom until it pushed it up. I thought, like, there was some, like, floating technology. I never really thought about it, but now, like, I realize that, oh, they're actually just blowing air fast enough so that this huge rocket and hard enough goes in flying into the air. Yeah, it's a crazy amount of uh, energy and fuel they had to burn, you know, to achieve liftoff. To get this, you know, heavy, heavy rocket. And you know how loud it was? You know why they have water running under those things? Oh, uh, why? Because without that water scrambling the noise, everyone around its eardrums would have just blown up. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's Actually, I have no idea if that's true. But oh, where, did you, where did you hear that? Or do you remember? The internet. <laughs> so it might not be true. Uh, I thought it was cool that one of the first shots was of them rolling out on those big, like, tank kind of uh, tracks. Oh, yeah, yeah. remind me of the Star Wars, like, going through the sand planet, which I can't remember the name of for some reason. Tatooine? Tatooine, yeah. Oh, like the Jawas kind of things? Yeah, same kind of mechanism. Yeah, it was so interesting. I feel like I'm losing my memory. like... (laughs) Five, probably five minutes ago, I could have said Tatooine, 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 Tatooine. Yes. Like, I never would have forgotten Tatooine. Sometimes uh, sometimes things just run away and escape from our memory. Yep. Uh, so, so that was... Come out, Apollo 12? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was really cool. What are some other uh, surprise moments or interesting moments of the, of the film for you? Well, I think another thing that I learned, which is another surprising thing, and you talked about this, well, you talked about this after we saw the movie, not on this podcast right now, that they had to wait 12 days in, like, decontamination. That's right. I didn't even think about that also when I I think about this process. Oh, yeah. They have no idea what alien space parasites they have on. Right. Uh It's fascinating. It was like an Airstream trailer, it looked like, you know? Uh, that they had to come back and then hang out. So think about it. They've been up in space for eight or nine days, you know, in this tiny little area, all three of them. And then they have to come back. And I'm sure they just want to, like, go to Wyoming and roam free and spread out. But, you know, instead, they're in this another little small contamination unit thing. Oh, speaking of alien parasites, did you see this is on topic? Did you see this, that, that picture of, like, the mushroom? I didn't. This is the Mars mushroom thing? Yeah, I heard about it. The Mars mushroom. 
Oh, yeah, like we're not it. sure it's a mushroom, but it really looks like it's a mushroom, an alien mushroom growing on Mars. That would be a pretty f- amazing discovery. Yeah. That, that turns Which out aliens to be true. are real because parasites. I, I, I wouldn't, I'm going <laughs> to need more information like, can before I you, like, knowing how to respond to that. Uh, my reason that aliens are real, not like evil, like space aliens, that like green, shooty, shooty. Space guns, but Green like little men. Yeah. microscopic organisms. I'm pretty sure microscopic organisms are already been discovered in space, and those microscopic organisms are aliens. Yeah, I guess that's why, like, the, uh, they usually say, like, the search for intelligent life. When they're saying, like, we're looking for aliens, that's what we're looking yeah. for, the, the intelligent um, Yeah, quadrant. I'm not talking about intelligence. But who like, knows who these parasites? No intelligent life, but, like, there are aliens because that little microscopic dot. That's interesting. So we're not alone. Uh, venom, by the way, was a parasite. Oh yeah, venom, alien parasite. Venom was an alien parasite. <laughs> Which was that was on last night. I watched that a little bit after you went to bed. Oh really? I liked that more than I thought, more than I remembered liking it. I know we we talked about that on one of the previous episodes. We like hated it. <laughs> yeah, I well I enjoyed watching it last night a little bit. Um, Wouldn't be the only terrible movie we, you would have watched last night. <laughs> That's true. Um, so another another moment that I thought was really cool in the film is listening to Neil Armstrong talk about and then seeing like this uh, this like lunar eclipse that occurred when they were uh, up in space because like I guess the sun the corona was you know behind the moon and he and he I think he later said that that was one of his big highlights even more than looking back at the Earth looking out into space and even being on the moon he talked about this being like this incredible thing. Of I don't course, think because they ever talked about the. Maybe you're pulling that from somewhere else. I don't remember them ever talking about a lunar eclipse. Well, they, well, they did, um, and but it was talked about. Obviously, he was really excited about it, but because there was no like interview narration saying like what I just said, saying, but you know, basically like, you know, in here, you know, you could have a voiceover saying like this is an important moment, but because they didn't do that, like it was easy to miss. I didn't remember seeing it the first time. It was only hearing this interview with the director who found that remarkable also that I, that it came back to me that I remembered it. So that's like one little bit of kind of maybe drawback to this kind of format of, you know, cause I, cause uh, yeah, cause, cause I you also, missed it or, or if you maybe you had it at the time, but you don't remember now. Yeah. I have no memory. I'm like, are you sure you didn't see that in like an article or like just something the director talked about in the interview, but wasn't in the movie. Because so I have no memory of any of this. Yeah, but I'm sure there's lots of other things you don't have a memory of. And same with me as well. Oh, can I tell you like another thing I realized when seeing Neil Armstrong? Yeah. He looks a lot like Ryan Gosling. Like Ryan Gosling was a very good cast for First Man. House, uh, yeah, I have to look, take a picture. I can't think of, I think of that. They both have thinning hair maybe. Um, so another thing was interesting is I did not realize that Michael Collins, so there's three people on this spacecraft. It was, uh, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins. And I didn't realize that while Neil and Buzz were on the moon, you know, in this lunar capsule thing, that Michael Collins was orbiting the moon, you know, hanging out and never, you know, he never got to go down onto the moon. And I, I'm curious. I'm sure he's done interviews on how he feels about that. But that that would be 
maybe spectacular to be there, but like, wouldn't you want to be on the moon? And hopefully, maybe he got on the moon later in another mission. I would hope. And just like orb, just orbiting around, like, hey guys, talking about lonely, you yeah. know, and interesting. Like you're just there. I mean, obviously you got some communication, but you know, you're there in this tiny little thing by yourself. And like, if you have any access to the news, like the entire world's like, man on the moon, man on the moon, and he's just like, yeah, man, man on the moon. <laughs> yeah. So I was looking up uh, a little bit before we went here. So they. They spent 21 and a half hours on the moon uh, total. And I think they were like, you know, out on doing like the walking on the moon, I think like an hour and a half or something like that. Um, just, you know, pretty extraordinary that this happened. Oh, another kind of cool aspect to me was the fact that, you know, I'll often I'll make a joke like, oh, yeah, just like we faked the moon landing, you know, but that. It's so when you see this kind of footage and you, like there's just no way like it wasn't faked. You know, we don't have a flat earth and we did not fake the moon landing. And I I knew this and I, but I would joke about it. And I think I, I don't I don't joke about it anymore. <laughs> so uh you just see how dangerous it is. How crazy with this and all the math involved. I loved how you see like they would be sitting there, you know, at their you know, terminal kind of thing with a ashtray full of ashes. And just tons of like math and computation going on. It really is. It, it gets to really extraordinary that they figured out how to make this happen. I, I don't even know like how would they even because they were doing probably like equations that had never been done before. I would. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like how do they even do. like? And they're doing stuff that's never been done before, so they don't have like. It's not like they can pull out their math textbook and say like this is what we do for that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. They didn't all like blow up just like the second they, the second like gas turned on. I think a a ton of. Did you see that? And at the beginning of the movie, talking about how like their screw was loose. Oh, that's right. And they sent a guy in there. They sent mechanics. (laughs) He's just like ratcheting a screw like you would do like on your wall, like hanging a painting. But yet this (laughs) thing's gonna go into space. It's crazy. Imagine if they didn't notice that, then it probably like. Again, like ninety nine percent chance for everything there. Yeah, which well, still ends up for like a two hundred percent chance of failure. <laughs> right, and it's extraordinary to me too that you know President Kennedy said his you know we're going to put a man on the moon, we're going to get him back safely. You know that was what was what was that wrote nineteen sixty one. So in eight years, we had a ton of missions. We had to develop you know like the Goddard rocket. Uh, we had to, like, you know, we went in steps. Like, you know, John Glenn orbited the Earth. That was, like, one step. And then, uh, you know, those other steps. We got, we orbited the moon, and we did, you know, this was the one, you know, send a man on the moon and safely. Like, we just, the fact that we did this in a very intelligent way and a systematic way and a step-by-step process, only in eight years, I don't don't know that we have that. I just can't imagine from the government... Or from a president saying, you know, we're going to do something this grand, this amazing, and getting it done in eight years. I just feel like we wouldn't cooperate and get that done. Well, you know why? You know, that's why we need a space force. (laughs) But, like, talking about big promises, like, Elon Musk promises by 2030, promised by 2030 to have rockets that would be able to take us from New York to Shanghai in 30 minutes. I hope I hope we're able to achieve that. I hope he's able to achieve that, or him and his folks. 
That would be pretty extraordinary. Um, so overall, I would. I mean, it seems like we both really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. What should we? What should we use our rating system for this? Hmm. Rockets? Chances of failure. Moon rocks. <laughs> moon. We didn't really talk about moon rocks that much. No, but they, while they were on the moon gathering the moon rocks, they did talk about them. Remember, he had that sample. He was doing the samples. Oh yeah. So I would say do chances of failure. It doesn't. Um, there are chances of. It's just. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a how lot. How about not that? How, <laughs> how about something about tangible? That? Like, how do you? How do you? If you were drawing an icon for your chances of failure, and you know, for this, how would you do that? All right, fine. We'll do chances, chances of, of failure. failure. Thank you. But it feels weird, but uh, fine. <laughs> so, how many? You know, five chances of failure is perfect, and zero chances of failure is horrible. How many chances of failure would you give this movie? Um, three. Three? Three. I think we should, do you think we should go to the letter system, like grades? Yeah, you, probably. Yeah, so, well, so, so what is a three, what is a three transmitting, let's do that, because I feel like. Okay, B minus. A B minus, all right, cool. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say B. I think I liked it a little bit more than you. All right, all right, cool, uh, awesome, man. So uh, that's a, that's a hearty recommendation for a B minus and a B from both of us. So if you get a chance, and this is definitely one. I know this is probably very very obvious, but go see it in a movie theater if you can. I, I know, think I'm actually be amazing. I don't think it's in theaters anymore. Well, it might be somewhere. There might be somewhere on the planet somebody could listen to this and go see it at a theater. But if you miss that opportunity, then, you know, use your, use your big home theater at home. Or, but, if, you know, if it comes back out, ever, <laughs> go see it on a big screen because it's pretty extraordinary. Or if you have a, fer- if you have a Fernbank Science Center, uh, if there's a science center, they'll probably show it in a movie theater. Like, I'm guessing the Natural History Museum that we have here was probably going to show that movie. I would, that wouldn't be surprised. Or at the other firm, the Fernbank Science Center, the, the not natural history part where they, the planetarium, you might get to show it up there too. Or they might. Yeah, how would you do else. that with like camera visuals going all around a globe? I don't basically. know, but they do. But people do. Uh, cool. What are you reading these days? Uh, I'm reading a Neil Gaiman book uh, called The Anasi Boys. I think I've talked about how much I love American Gods. Like, it's one of the best things ever written. But Anasi is, of course, one of the characters that appears in American Gods. And you'd know that if you had read the book or or watched the TV show. And this book is around him, based around Anasi. And it takes place in the same universe as American Gods. Oh, does it really? Well, that's what I'm guessing, since... Anasi seems to be the last name of Nancy, and his character in American Gods is called Mr. Nancy. Do you know which one uh, was published first? I think since this book on the top says, from the creator of American Gods, well, I think it came afterward. That, that could be, and if that was like, the, it was the first edition, uh, I guess that's it, maybe is the answer that you have to um, kind of go in and look at the beginning, like this title page, and you'll see like a copyright copyright date. So it could be that, or it could be that you know it just this was another edition of the book that came out. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, cool. So you're liking it so far? Yeah. Yes. 
All right, how about how far it's are you? It's not as good as American Gods, but nothing else. <laughs> All right, well, at least not yet. You're not finished with it. Uh, so, so you're enjoying it? Yes. Good. I am reading um, <laughs> the another Murakami book, uh, 1Q84, uh, and it's a pretty big kind of epic book. It's Really, there's two main storylines so far. Storyline A follows a writer uh, who is been tasked with touching up a, a short story written by somebody else to submit to a contest. And the other storyline so far enjoy, uh, involves an elite level assassin. <laughs> <laughs> an elite? Are there rankings of assassins? I forgot your mom. Can you find a common level assassin? Well, your mom made the joke and she, had, she was repeating another comedian or somewhere else. Or like, why are all assassins elite level, like in movies and stuff? How come you don't have like your just middle of the road assassin, like just getting by, doing, doing an okay job on on killing people instead of being elite level? Is there like a is there is it like six flag passes? Is there is there an elite platinum assassin? <laughs> there must be. There probably a diamond level of assassin. There, I mean, I'm sure there is. All right, well, good. So, um, what uh, what's coming up for Owls on Culture? What are we? What are we, what other uh, episodes do we have coming down the pike? Well, since we haven't recorded a while, I think you're going to do your own personal review of Us. That's right. I did see Us recently, and I'm excited about doing that. And so that should be released pretty soon. And that'll just be me, because it's an R-rated one. And again, I'm not against Hank going to see some R-rated films, but uh, some, are, some are not going to be great for him just yet. And uh, what else? Um, we're also going to have a huge podcast where we talk about three movies. Those movies are Pet Cemetery. Which comes out this weekend? Well, because already came out, and Shazam, which has come out this weekend, and Dumbo, which came out last weekend. All right, so look forward to those. That'll be uh, oh, that'll can be I, out pretty soon. Can I bring up uh, this Jordan Peele meme that I saw? Yeah. Okay. Well, as member people talking about Green Book, and this one like comment shows this one comment which says like. It's okay that it's the white lead. You should tell the story that you know. Jordan uh, Jordan Peele respond. Uh, Jordan Peele says like, and that and that's why I'm all, I'm not gonna star white people in leads. And then it shows like the sh- sh- shocked Pikachu face, like <gasps> like it backfires. Yeah, I saw a uh, a similar similar meme with that when the first the first section of the meme was, you know. When people tell artists of color just to produce their own work, you know, talking about the whole Green Book thing, basically, and then the Jordan Peele comment, like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to hire Caucasian lead actors. And then again, shocked, shocked faces as well, because <gasps> when he's, you know, like, so you tell, you say, hey, go create your own work. Don't be upset that it's a white lead telling, you know, the story. And then he says, all right, fine, I'll create my own work. I'm not going to hire white actors. And people are like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Ooh. So, but, you know that, that that's I've seen that meme before too. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, all right, anything else before we go? No, not really. All right, well, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Sergio and Antoine Harrell. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email. Twice a month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, short story, and visual art 
right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.